That's got your laughing in it. Oh, you. <laughs> Put it off earlier then. Uh, just go. Let's do it. Right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode two, series one of uh, The Away End. We've got a few guests on this week. You, you've heard from us before. Dan speaking, Jimbo down in London. But we've got Hello. a few guests. I'm going to I'm gonna let them introduce themselves now. Go ahead, guys. Hey, guys. Life of Spurs fan. How you doing? Not too bad, thanks. Good, good. And we've got Alex, who's uh, with Daniel at the moment. Yeah, lifelong Newcastle fan, which is even worse. But honest, I'd argue, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's any arguments, really. <laughs> I really don't think there's any arguments. Newcastle are definitely a worse shout than Spurs, mate. Sorry. A lot of negative vibes. Pessimistic crew. Yeah. Without without much to be positive about, to be honest with you, you got you got you got Carlin Cup in the in the cover, don't you? In the last like twenty years, it's better than nothing. Welcome to this low energy edition of the away end. <laughs> <laughs> we got summer coming up, though, right? We got some chat about Europa, Champions League shit going on. Yep. What else? What are we talking, guys? Can we rename the Europa section like Tottenham's first trophy in ten years next year pending? Can we can we just call it? As we always call it, either Emmerdale Cup, Farmers Tin Pot Trophy, or anything else along them line. Whichever, whichever we want to go with, right? Whatever helps you sleep at night, Daniel. The Romelo Lukaku plate. Yeah. 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 Whatever, whatever helps me sleep at night after three semi-final losses in one season. Yeah, that's what that's what helps me, guys. Just calling. Just thinking that I don't really want... I never really wanted the Europa League. We never wanted a trophy this season. That's what it was, guys. <laughs> Yeah, let's get into it. United versus Sevilla was was uh no, it was it was fine. Like we we played well that first half, but the defense let us down again. And yeah. I mean, they did. They, I don't think they played too bad. But to be honest, yes, Sevilla, Sevilla, they they played better. I must. Say. But, oh mate, they, they were they looking. I mean, we'll get onto this in a bit into the final, but they were looking good, mate. They, I, they, I've never really kind of I've been sleeping on Sevilla, mate. Like I never realized that how. How quite good they are. I know they are Europa League specialists, but like they were looking pretty good in in the couple of games I've seen them. But it's another game and another penalty, mate. Oh, oh, we won't. We don't need to talk about that, though, do we, mate? No penalties. Nah, no, no. We've already covered that last week, mate. We don't need to think about penalties again. Yeah, no, yeah. It wasn't any penalty. I personally, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming Sean's going to come in and absolutely berate me here. But it was, it, it was soft. I give him that. It was. It was a bit of a soft one. I'll give you any uh, any thoughts on Ole's tactics? Uh, what the fact that he never makes a change before the seventy fifth minute, and that pisses me off so much. Like the fact that yeah, okay, we haven't got a brilliant bench. I agree that we're not we're not stacked like City or like Liverpool, but still dining out on the treble, get everything done mm. in overtime. Yeah. That's what he's hoping, I think. Yeah. <laughs> throws, throws a couple of players on in the 75th minute and they, they managed to score two. But... Uh, and uh, you got De Jong, mate. We got what? De Jong? Yeah, yeah. Well, De Jong, yeah. <laughs> Pretty random, like, how, how well he's actually done over these, like, after the restart. He wasn't even in the starting lineup, was he? Yeah, yeah. Sevilla took a punt on him and he was absolutely awful first half of the season, but... Ever since restart, I think he scored the winner in the in one of the Seville derbies this season. He just sort of popped up. 
But he's just a big fucking lump, isn't he? Right. Uh, just have the big lump up front. That's what you got me wrong then, right? Alan, Alan Shearer was the best big fucking lump <laughs> of all time. You will never get a better big fucking lump. Now it was it was weird because we had um, to see him do to see him win a Europa League after after watching him play for Newcastle that that about four or five years ago. So hard to believe it's the same guy because he was absolutely fucking pony for us. You're the guy that punched his lung. Uh, no, that was his brother. Oh, we had his, we had, yeah, his yeah. Bro, we had his brother Sim on the books, and he uh, he punctured, punctured his lung. That apparently that was in his medical. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. Right? It is. It's pretty amazing how one team can be so so wedded to one competition. I can't think of another example. Like I can't think of another team in any other competition, regardless of like league or country, who consistently win it that often. You'd say Real with the Champions League. Mm. They Six of the last what, like six of the last twelve or something stupid? That's unbelievable. Yeah. And the fact that I didn't even realise this, but the fact that they had like what is it, like fourteen new starters? They had a new manager this season. They've still got fourth place and they've won the Europa League. Like, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. I mean, you've got to be asking yourself some questions though. If you're winning the Europa League year in and year out, means you're probably coming fourth or fifth or whatever, or third or fourth every year. It's a, it's a, it's a tightrope of a situation you're kind of like we don't want to do better we don't want to do worse if we get into the Europa League we might win some it's yeah. better to be, I guess like a big fish in a small pond yeah right yeah. Yeah. so it's, it's consistent it's they are consistently successful and I think as Dan's saying the amount of, they get turnover like that every single year don't they every single year someone and I think this year will happen as well I think the people are looking at um Diego Carlos and the centre back uh they're looking at Lucas Acampos is really good and like and who's going to bet against him doing exactly the same thing next year, going deep in the Europa League? I mean, dropping out, dropping out of the Champions League, but then unreal. And the manager as well was the guy. He's the geezer who um, he's managing Spain before the World Cup. Took the Real Madrid job and then got then got booted from both of them in like three weeks. So he's come back pretty strong, isn't he? Yeah, from the uh, Tim Trophy now. Uh, City Liam, big result this week. City dropped out the uh, Champions League once again. Let's be honest, City a bottle job FC in, in Champions League. The amount of the amount of times, well, two well, two or three times you've had chances now to uh, really that was your chance. That was your chance against Leon, really, like to get to the final in there, like or to the semi, sorry, like. I mean, do you want to like try and diagnose it? Like three semis and three losses now. He's kind of like, is he, does he overthink these games? Does he kind of try and overthink it and play formations or players to counter stuff that doesn't really exist and, and is kind of like holding his players back from actually just playing football? I feel, I feel like he was looking past the fixture, really. Yeah. He, he played a team that, where, like, he was holding back players. Yeah. And I mean, I mean you've got to win, you've got to beat the opponent this front. In my eyes, they sort of, he missed a step. Like, he was a bit too arrogant, I think, in that respect. Yeah, I, I don't think he showed. I don't think he showed enough respect to Leon. Yeah, you're right, hundred percent. Like I think he just thought they'd be a walkover and they get to Bayern in the semis, and like, yeah, that's when they really needed to step up. I think you're hundred percent right there, John. I think I think in his team selection, he probably showed him too much respect because he put, uh, put was it, it was Rodri, Gundogan, and De Bruyne in the in the middle. He kept the sil- both silvers off the bench yeah. on the bench until way way too late. And he, but he kept on playing this sort of this ridiculously high line against an attack who, who unbelievably quick. It seemed a bit like he was trying to sort of he, he that that overthink thing as you were saying. It's hard to look beyond that because if if they just sort of play their game, nine times out of ten if they play Leon every Saturday, they'll beat them. Yeah, you know, like they're not they're not they're they're a good they're a good side, but they're not in any way Champions League semi final quality, are they? Really, they got they played incredibly well and got very lucky. But I think City are going to be kicking themselves for years about that one. Yeah, definitely. Well, till next year. 
true. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've never made a semi-final. I imagine one of the things Pep was briefed in on when he kind of got the job there was that their ultimate aim is to win the Champions League. You said before we came on on, on air, like if if they ever won it, you, you can't see him sticking around. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but I don't think Pep will hang around if they win the Champions League. I, th- I sort of think for him, I know he's won it all everywhere, but I think for him, it'll sort of, he'll have done it all then. And I mean, like, what's next for him? That, yeah, I agree with you, Sean. I think, like, I think him and, and Mourinho are sort of their managers that will just go to a club, win as much as they can, and then they're gone, right? And I, like you said, what, what else is there for Pep to really win? If he won Champions League with Man City, he's proven himself. He doesn't need to. I know a lot of people were saying sort of um, he had the best team, best club team possibly ever when he ma- when he managed Barca and 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 won it with Barca. But if he could do it with City, it would just prove you know without any shadow of a doubt. I mean, I know we obviously didn't win it in Bayern, but I think if he won it at C- with City, I think it would be a, a massive, massive achievement. But is he the? Were you saying he's the? He'd be the best manager ever? Is that what you just said? Yeah. No, obviously not. We know who the best manager ever is, no, and no. We, we don't even need to know that much with who he was. But you know, Arsene awesome Wenger, I meant, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it not Andre Villas Boas? <laughs> no, just me, Tim Sherwood. No, Parker, mate. I missed the Parker. I forgot about Tim Sherwood, you know. But yeah, no, I think. Because how, how long has Pep got left on his deal at City now? Is it next, uh, next season? Is, is last season? Oh, right. So he's basically got two more shots at Champions League, Andy, let's be honest. But, I mean, I, 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 do, I would agree with Sean. I think if, if, he, if he won it, I think he wouldn't stick around. I think he'd just see out his contract and that'd be it. Talking in hypotheticals for a second, where do you put him after City? He's done Germany, he's done Spain, he's done England, hypothetically. <laughs> no, I reckon national team. Mm, I was going to say a national team, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Problem, problem with national team, I feel like the way he plays, because you only get to be with like the national team for like what three or four times in a season, mm. it would take a lot for him to convert all of them players into how he like wants them to play. Whereas when he's at a club, he like week in, week out, he can like bollock players if they're not doing a play and how he wants to, you know what I mean? And obviously he has a very specific way of how he likes to make players play. But I do think, yeah, if anything, it would be a national team, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, it'd be a good challenge for him though. I mean, like he's not going to, all the clubs he's kind of been at, you can kind of argue that he's kind of had, he's had pick of the litter and he's had all the toys to play with that he wants. Managing a national team would be maybe a bit more of a challenge for him and and more of a, a sort of man management job, getting the best out of people that, he can't be with week in, week out. I think I think as a person, he's quite I'm not sure if any of you watched that, that documentary about him, but he comes across as like someone who's like intense to the point of you think this man's gonna have a breakdown at any point. I think after so many consecutive years of doing the same thing, especially with these Champions League failures, I reckon it might be quite attractive to him to not be in that sort of rat race every single week. Especially considering as you say, he's won pretty much fucking everything there is to win. I think, anyway, I mean, after Barcelona, he took a sabbatical. So it obviously, ta- it obviously takes a toll on him. So I think he might, he might see it as a sort of better way going forward because he's not as young as he was. I think he's one of their managers that, yeah, will. He definitely is aware of the toll that management takes on him. And I think he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he took another sabbatical and just said, you know what, I want to take like a season or two of just yeah. nothing. <laughs> it's not like money's an object for him, is it really? 
before we move on from City, I just want to give shout outs to David Silva because he's one of those few players where I think no matter what team you support, you've just got to absolutely rep the guy because he has been ridiculous. One of those like absolutely unhateable players. Got nothing for respect for, so shout outs to him for sure. Yeah, oh, uh, me and me and Alex are shaking our heads here, hundred uh, like in in agreement, in agreement, like a hundred percent. Right, me and me and Alex nodding are on. in full agreement. We are nodding along. Yeah, I do. I fully agree. David David Silva. I, I hate City, but he's been an absolute living legend. Agreement isn't a word. Agreement. It's agreement. Agreement. <laughs> anyway, I think that concludes the uh, the Pep section. Um, in other news, PSG and Bayern both won three nil in their semi-finals, uh, which brings up a very tasty looking final tomorrow night. Predictions for that? I need Bayern to win it. I think because we we talking about City just now, but you know it's burning them up especially because the first one of these teams out of PSG, out of City, to win the Champions League, that is like, that is going to be it. Because that means that, that that'll just mean their project has been a success and I don't want it to be a success. It's so, it's so fucking ridiculous. You're spending 200 odd million on one person and then 120 odd million, another, another player in the same fucking, oh God, please buy him, please. Uh, <laughs> I've got too far, I do, I do reckon it's going to be an absolute fucking humdinger because neither of them look like they can defend particularly well. It could be a lot of goals. I think it'd be a big scoreline. Um, but it's interesting what you say. Like, I never really thought about it like that. If PSG win, then it kind of confirms this basis that just pumping money into teams is the right thing to do. You're going to see it happening, can't you? Because like, as soon as if they do win, and besides the, the celebrations that will happen, regardless, like that's good for the players. I don't, I don't really blame the players that much. As much as I think the Neymar's a bit of a tit, he's an unbelievable football player. But you know that it's like the trophy's going to make the rounds in Qatar, isn't it? It's going to be like you're going to see the chairman, who's the crown prince of with the trophy, and it's going to think like, well, well, football's just come to this point where Petro states have just won the Champions League, which is meant to be the emo, like the ultimate aspiration. And like watching them play RB Leipzig the other week was like it's like evil versus evil. It's a fucking soft drink against the oil kingdom. It's ridiculous. It's not what football is. is it? I think that I I wanted to touch on that as well. I think it's like. The, the German model, the classic German model of football is amazing. Like season tickets are really cheap and the admission to games, it's like 15 euro to go to a game, like a buying game. Like Leipzig are trying to sort of change that model to be more like monetary based and advertising based. And for me, it's like I'm a massive Bayern fan in this because it's like the right way to play football. Yeah. Yeah. But then also that thing in that like every German club has a certain percentage is like fan owned, mm. I believe. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Think, yeah, yeah. But I mean, we're we're past the point of talking about Red Bull now. But like, I don't think Red Bull are trying to like kick that model out a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Well, they're trying to dominate all sports, like yeah, uh, Formula One, etc. Yeah. The 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 problem is with PSG and Red Bull sort of comes back to this is that the way that the way that us as partners like perceive football is like you feel powerless enough as it is, don't you? Especially in this country where. I mean, half our clubs are owned by people who don't even bother going. Like you got the Glazers, and we got from Mike Ashley. It's like the owners. The owners aren't particularly loved, are they? Yeah. Well, no. What, what, I, was, what I was actually going to say to what what uh, Sean just said about buying is, I know you you might like them, and and they might have a uh, good membership and cheap tickets. What does piss me off about Bayern is they just hoover up all the good German talent. Any player that's like remotely good at Dortmund, Schalke, anywhere. 
they just go, oh, well, he's 19. We'll spend like 30 mil on him. We'll bring him into our academy or bring him into like our first team setup. And in like two years, we'll sell him on for 65 million. And I know that's like, that's a good, that is a good model in some respects, but that kind of pisses me off, if I'm honest. Yeah, would you rather do that or drop 200 on one player? Yeah. Who's, who's, who's already like, Brazil was all, all time leading goals for or whatever. I mean, the, I'm, I mean, the way Bayern do it is annoying because it means that they win it every year without question. But it's, it is still an accepted and very common way of operating. Yeah. No, I agree. But I just, I think, I feel like it just makes the Bundesliga so much less competitive because none of them teams can compete on a level with Bayern in terms of money-wise. So to be fair, this season, I'm not going to start, start talking about Bayern too much. Sorry, but like this season, they started off with a guy they were, who was they all hated him, Nico Kovac. He was awful. They got beat five-one off Frankfurt in November. It's the same season. So this this Hansi Flick, the Hansi Flick turned around. But it's not as if they were running away with it the entire year. It's just that the other German teams and pull their fucking fingers out. <laughs> right, that'll, that that's the end of that section then. <laughs> Germany, you have been told. Well, I was going to say, do we do we do we want to make a predict? Does everyone want to make a prediction on who they think Bayern or PSG or not? Like, nah, let's let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Wait, wait, wait you got to intro it. You can't just be like, I think Bayern are going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. No, you're not a host. <laughs> no, no, you can't do this. Why, why can't I? You can't take over the show. I, I, I like this. I like this idea. Go with it. So do we want to make some predictions then for the uh, Champions League final? I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be an amazing game. I think it's going to be 4-3 to Bayern. I think it's going to be goals galore, absolutely zero defending. I'm going to go 3-2 though to Bayern. I know, I know we're talking big games. I'm going to go 2-1 Bayern, then. It's just can't, getting lower and lower. <laughs> yeah. I, I, can't, I can't see 4-3. Any time that I predict something like that, I guarantee it'll be a fucking nil-nil and go to penalties. <laughs> but I wish it would be 8-1, 8-2 again, because that just... So we're all in agreement Bayern, gonna, Bayern are going to win it. I can't, I, can't see, I can't see PSG... I mean, they, they've, they've held off the choking tag enough, because, I mean, let's not forget they've played... Atalanta and RB Leipzig, they haven't had, they haven't been properly, in inverted commas, tested yet. Yeah. I think they're in for a fucking shot, big time. It's just buying uh, the machine. They just roll Me on. Right. I just can't see them not destroying them in some respects. So. But PSG obviously have a goal in them, so that's why 4-3 for me. On the away end, we like to try and have a little bit of a theme going in terms of... Uh, a club-related topic for for the week. So as we've got two massive Spurs heads and a guy who's sort of marginally, yeah, you don't even want to be related to it, do you? Okay, it's fine. Well, right. So we're we're gonna go with some Spurs questions. I'm gonna fire these at you guys, and you give me what you think. Right? Yeah, let's do it. I'm assuming Sean's already seen this first question because I can see a little smirk on his face. Potch issues. What were we thinking? Like, why did it happen? We read it like a fucking proper question. <laughs> right. Why? Why did Poch end up leaving? What was the crack? Why? Why did? Why do you think it didn't work out? I feel like he was. He was after the Champions League final. He wasn't the same manager after the Champions League final. All the players flew back to London. He flew back to Barcelona, and he stayed there for two weeks and had no contact with anyone. And obviously, I think as a manager with the ambitions that he had, I think 
the loss in the Champions League final and the way that the loss happened, it hit him quite hard. Now, I don't think that meant he lost the dressing room. I just think that, that a lot of players maybe kind of lost interest in the ambitions that he had. And, and it's, it's worth noting that as well, that I think the lack of sort of movement of players in and out of the club both ways, like selling players that should have been sold a season before they were sold, and also the whole thing of like Levy not buying anyone, um, it affects the fluidity of football and the mentality of players. It's like I think that's that's this, the two biggest things for me. I mean, from my perspective, I want to go on the record first off and say Poch is the biggest legend I know. I mean, he's my dad. Shout out my real dad, but he's my second dad. <laughs> but. Um... <laughs> Two years ago, he was saying we needed to sign, well, two, three years ago, he was saying we needed to sign players and the players never arrived. And I mean, for people who watch Spurs every game, I mean, bless their soul, like we, we, we've been on the wane for years and it's clear to see. And it's not really, don't get me wrong, I've got gripes with him. He's not perfect, but he took us to another level. Fundamentally, there was some disjoint between him and the people that run the club. And I think ultimately that is the reason why he went. And it might be a shock to like some people because we sort of had a lot of success, quote unquote. But if you watched every game in and in like in and out, you sort of saw that wane over time, and it wasn't really a shock that he went at all. See, because from my from, from my perspective, I did think it was a shock, and obviously, yeah, I'm not watching week in week out, and that's why I sort of thought at the time, like, are you making that decision at a snap? But obviously, you guys have seen that, and you guys have seen the demise of football and how it's being played and stuff so for, for me I think the Champions League final was the straw that broke the camel's back really I think I think he'd have been gone if we'd have won honestly because as Spurs manager I mean it doesn't get any better than winning the Champions League final I mean I, I don't think we're ever going to get I mean I can't see us getting to another final in my lifetime personally the quality is so good of certain teams and that's pessimistic I just think it was the the amazing golden opportunity and we didn't win it and I mean I, I think that that probably adding up with all the lack of transfers and stuff, I think that was what just broke it for him and it just finished him. He, he, he used to used to chat a lot of shit in, in press conferences and it'd be very kind of like whimsical things and, and energy and this sort of stuff. But one of the things I can remember him saying most clearly was that this team is going to need a painful rebuild. And he used those words like exactly like painful rebuild, which we're only kind of ne- even now, even though he's been gone the best part of a year, we're only just starting to get into. We're only just starting to ship off players that maybe were a bit dissentful or didn't want to be there anymore. I, Danny Rose, Christian Eriksen. Can I can I ask you both a question then? In, if that relationship between the board and Pochettino went south so quickly, why do you think they went for their next move to someone like Mourinho, who's got a history of being fractious with boards? And if they don't like the way that Pochettino, he didn't like the way Pochettino was complaining about lack of transfers, why would they go for Mourinho next? From from what I've heard, Daniel Levy's been kind of courting Mourinho since 2012. Rejected a move in 2012 to, to Spurs, apparently. Um, I just think Levy's hard for Mou, mate. That's that's it, really. I think, <laughs> I think he probably saw the, the opportunity to fire Pochettino. No, I don't think it's a particularly malicious thing. I think, just as Sean said, that's the way things were going. And I think he'd probably been flirting with Mourinho for like six months, which is why the transition was so quick. I mean, um, Pochettino got fired at seven o'clock in the evening. Mourinho was appointed at 6am the next day. 
do you guys do you guys think he's the right he's the right man for to help out with this rebuild? Because he does, as we were saying earlier, he doesn't seem like the type to stick around for projects like that. I I, I think he's a smart man. I think the one thing that we've always lacked is that really cutting edge. I I'm, I honestly think I've said it to Jim loads of times. I think if we had Mourinho as our manager in that final, we probably would have won. Because one of my gripes with Poch is that he he really struggled to affect change in games. He was amazing at like firing up the team but if it wasn't going our way part way through a game or to the end of the game similar to Ole he wouldn't make changes which was really frustrating but I think having someone that's like a proven winner and that has done it all before and sort of does whatever it takes to win games I think for us so for me I think he's great I I am wholeheartedly behind him for sure to give like a broader I think a broader opinion of what's going on. I feel like Pochettino took us from mid-table to challenging for top four, challenging for everything across the board, basically. not Ultimately not winning anything, but elevated the club to a new level. And now the board has kind of seen an opportunity to bring Mourinho in, a manager who has like this ability to win things and get things over the line. Maybe it's not pretty. Maybe it's very defensive. You know, maybe you win by 1-0. That's it. That's the game. But ultimately, he is a manager who has a history of winning things. And and if Pochettino can take you to that level and then Mourinho can just take you over the line, then fair play. And then you go from there. I'm sure I'm sure they have a long-term plan for it, but that that as a fan is kind of how I see it. I think there's been like a hell of a lot of managers who could get you to that level. But I think it's like the ultimate show of a world-class manager where they can just tip the balance slightly and get you to those trophies because in terms of winning stuff it's 90 minutes that's it that's all that really matters you can get to the deep in a trophy but it's that 90 minutes that makes the difference and i think he gives us the edge over the 90 minutes personally i mean we, we pretty much covered that other one because my next question was are you happy with yoso's appointment and like going from 14th when he took over to sixth was like fair play to him for that i must admit that turnaround i think has has been really good and fair play to him. I just want to say from a United standpoint, it gets to a point with Mourinho where he just, for me, he just burns players out. That's that's the real that's the real issue. It happened at Chelsea. It happened at Inter. Like, he gets to a point where, like Alex said, it's kind of a weird one that, he's, that, he's, that you think he's going to be coming in for like a project or like a, to, to help you take you over the line. I have a, I have a theory on this that... Um... Jose gets the most out of his players because he has this do-or-die attitude. He has this, everyone's against you. You have to be, to use his words exactly, intelligent cunts. You have, you have to fight. I think that motivates players. But I think if players hear that for three years in a row, it probably loses effectiveness. If every game is a do-or-die game, if every game is like, you have to give your all and go out there and fight. Imagine hearing that for three years and still being motivated by it. I'd like to give him a shout out because he won the Europa League with United and he had Damian, Smallin, shout me out about Dan, who else did he have in defence? Smash Maldini, mate, that's what he's called now, <laughs> isn't it? Um, who else did he have? Phil Jones, probably, at some point. Um, although, if you look at it, like the, the, the players he did bring in, like he had Ibra, he had Pogba, he had like, he didn't have bad players, I think, but. That's, that's uh, in the past now. That's in the past. Ollie, Ollie's at the wheel now, so it's fine, boys. I've got a bit of a gripe with the press in general about him because whenever United lose and Chelsea lose, he always trends. Because when Chelsea lose, it's, oh, Jose sold 
like Jose sold De Bruyne and Kante and this and Salah and whatnot. And then in, in respect with United, it's how like he didn't win anything with United. But I mean, United were trash when he took over. Yeah, and, no, I agree. He, he saw, definitely improved the club, hundred percent. I, I just, I've always, I've always thought, I've always hated him as a Spurs fan because he always beats us. But I've always thought that he's a very, very clever man because he deflects attention away from the club, and that's something. And away from football, I think he's a very intelligent manager in terms of he deflects the pressure away from the players. I think he knows what he's doing sometimes. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's undoubtedly fiery and a, a, an unbelievable character. Point where he doesn't like you, you're definitely out of the club, but. I think he does a lot of what he does deliberately to save face for the club or defect, deflect from bad performances and things like that. Uh, right, so on to the next one. Uh, restart of the season. What, what do you think? You, you're happy with your form after, after restart? What? Uh, generally, I feel like most of the players have probably elevated their form. I mean, off the top of my head, Lloris has been incredible since the restart. Top-notch. Like, Harry Kane's come back into it again, looking sharp. Not going to use the word fast, but you know, hungry for goals. Lacelso looking good. Winks looking solid in midfield. Toby again, just having signed a long-term contract, looking good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly happy with how we've been looking since the restart. Uh, youth policy with Poch. Uh, what, what do you guys think? I know Jim has some very strong opinions. I'm not sure if Sean has as strong opinions, but uh, go on. What do you think? I mean, last episode, I did promise that I would talk at length about this, but I don't think it probably needs to be talked about at length. I've got a few notes here, but I'd be interested to see what Sean thinks. But I feel I feel like under under Pochettino, like his, his kind of youth policy was like sort of a, a grown at home sort of thing. Like keep the players here, let them play football. Maybe occasionally you'll bring in a, a youth player to start in the first team. But ultimately... You only have eleven players on the pitch at one time. Like you can't just take a, a punt on a on a on a youth player that often. So I mean, players that have been loaned out since he left, such as Kyle Walker Peters, Luke Amos, Marcus Edwards, has been sold on. Kyle Walker Peters has had like his best season ever at Southampton because he's getting game time week in week out, which you never would have got under Pochettino. Uh, the, just before we started recording, was Spurs first. Um, pre-season game against Ipswich and second half we played potentially a lot of youth that are going to come into the team or be loaned out straight away so Jack Clark, Sessegnon's pushing for first team again, Dennis Sirkin, Jamie Bowden, uh, Scarlett, there's like all these players that have really great skills and are, are great footballers but were kind of wasted underneath underneath Pochettino. But do you, do you think, think Yossi is going to give them game time? Yeah, I think so. Basically, as soon as Jose came in, he kind of just shipped off loads of players. Danny, look at Danny. Danny Rose went out on loan. I don't think he's ever going to wear a Spurs shirt again. Do you? No. Short on shape. I'm aware. That, I'm aware now that I'm not on video. So no. <laughs> um, but like, I think as soon as he came in, there was a new policy of like, let's cut some of the dead wood. Ericsson went out on sale. Danny Rose went out on loan, never to wear a Spurs shirt again. Probably like, I think it's a bit more of a ruthless policy. Loan them out, get them better, have them back. As much as Chelsea do it to a lot of people's detriment, it's a good formula to have sometimes. They have half the bloody league out there on loan, but it works for them well because they use it to their advantage. So I'm all for a bit of that, all for a bit of gamesmanship, for sure. I feel like it's a stick that's used to beat Jose quite a lot, isn't it? That he doesn't rely on their academy at all. He doesn't like him. And I know 
I mean, you guys know more than me, but he had a bit of a thing with Troy Parrott this season that he just refused, flat out refused to use him when he was he was the only fit striker he had. Didn't use him. Talked about him not using him, and when he actually did use him, he didn't look like he had any had any confidence, and then fluffed the penalty, and that's it. And now he's back out on loan, isn't he? So from what I've heard about Troy Parrott is from sort of absorbing a lot of Spurs media and podcasts and, and articles and things like that. Troy Parrott's one of the, the hottest prospects to come out of our academy since Harry Kane. Like he's uh, apparently insane, but again, he's been because he was loaned out. I, I don't, I don't particularly think like Jose's got a problem with him, but it's, 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 he's gone to Millwall now. He's on loan at Millwall, which I think for one is a great move for him. He's going to be playing week in, week out. It's going to be physical. It's going to be scrappy. It's going to bulk up. It's going to be horrible. But like that's a great move for him. That it wasn't an option underneath Pochettino. Under Pochettino, like he was just he he might be on the bench occasionally. I mean, Kane was out injured for half the season, and Parrot didn't get a look in. So I I don't know. I don't know. All time will tell, right, boys. Uh, yeah, right, this, this this drop onto transfers now though, like players in and out. I know you guys have been talking position wise and like players that you would like to see to join um i think if you look back a couple of years we were amazing on the wings with sort of your walker i mean i've always had a bit of a gripe at right back the, the, the grass is always greener walker was good i thought there was better and we've gone down and down and down and it's oreo <laughs> an absolute shit house. <laughs> i'd like to see the wings right back left back i think oreo should go i don't think anyone wants him but i think he should go Ben Davis is aging and he doesn't offer anything going forward. So he's, he's, he's a squad player at best for me. So I think he should go. I mean, Sessignon has come in, but I mean, Jim, we're talking earlier. I, I don't know what role he fills right now. He's not a lateral. He's not a natural left back at so, the moment. At the moment. So it's, it's a case of Jose maybe trying to mould him into maybe a left back. But is he good enough defensively? I'm not sure. Uh, just a note on left back, though. Dennis Serkin started in this preseason game. He's a lot of hype around him at the moment. He's looking decent. So that could be a potential backup left back. I think Hoybier, as much as we've banged on about him because we never sign anyone and we've signed one player, so all social media's been they've been giving <laughs> him. Um, I think that he's gonna offer us quite a lot because we've really lacked since like Dembele left, we've really lacked that sort of defensive midfielder, but that can also push through and transition into the attack. And uh, Jose said it when he came in. He sort of has not been paying Ndombele and certain players because we need to sort out the mess that is our defence, spe- specifically in front of the defence. So now with Hoybier, we can move to sort of Lacelso and Ndombele as opposed to Sissoko and Winks. When you set two partnerships together, I mean, I, I, I know what one I'd be choosing. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very hopeful for that signing for sure. Do you guys do you guys think this Bale return story's got any legs, or is it all just bullshit? Absolute shite. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, what I read this morning that he wants to come back as long as Spurs pay fifty percent of his wages, which is still what one hundred and seventy-five k a week, probably. That puts him up there with Kane, and he'd be out. He'd be out injured most of the season anyway. So Wales, golf, Spurs in that order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in that order. Yeah. I rate Bale massively. I think I think he's been. I think he's amazing, but we can't pay his wages, and he's old. It's just—it's not going to happen. Hundred percent. Not even on like a loan or anything. You really you you want him, but you just can't see wages wise. That's it's just a no go, right? Even if you loan him, you got to pay his wages. Someone's got to pay him. Well, I'm going to pay him to be on loan. 
Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe they will. <laughs> with, I mean, with Levy in his in his hypnotism, maybe, but. <laughs> But I'm not sure. We'd love him, but it's. I just don't think it's feasible myself. Just on the subject of transfers again, like this is a transfer I've done on my FIFA career and it's worked out pretty well for me. So it is a, it is a player we've been linked with. Uh, it's Eze from QPR. He's um, a young lad. Oh, He's a attacking mid. I'd quite like to see him come in just because I don't feel like, apart from Ali, who's not an out-and-out centre-attacking mid, we haven't really got anyone in that sort of position since Ericsson's gone. Um, we've got players that are on more centre-mid players, so like the Celso um, and Underbelly, just to bring someone in, maybe like as a more of a prospect to develop in that role. Uh, I'd love Bruno Fernandes if we could have him then. <laughs> <laughs> you guys just need... Levy just needs to put that extra cash in sport in Lisbon's pocket instead of us and... It was, a, it was a five million pound difference. That's why we didn't get him. We, we fucked that so badly. <laughs> <laughs> There's Dybala, who we were linked with so closely last season. Because we wouldn't put his name on a pizza box. Yeah. 10 million pound image rights. We wouldn't pay them. Uh, and there's obviously always, again, the rumours of Coutinho coming in on loan or purchase. Uh, always flying around. But I mean... They are big statement signings, aren't they? And this is not the summer or the club to talk about big statement signings. Um, me and me and Alex talked about this before, but what do you think of Joe Art as your third keeper? Is he like like um, you're thinking that he's just that English um, quota which he's got in? Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Like decent transfer. I've got a list of things. I one word statements. I just want to say here, mate. He's free. He's homegrown. Low wages. That wasn't one word. He's an ex-captain. He's, an, he's a winning player, mate. I've got some more as well. His neck's in the championship. It's so long. Uh, he's, got, <laughs> he's got the worst tattoos in the league. I like it. I don't mind it. I mean... Mate, he's on, he's on, he's on £27,500 a week. They're going to bring the head and shoulders out of that back then. <laughs> I think he's thinning a little bit, mate. I don't oh, he, needs, he, needs, he needs it more. <laughs> I think it's probably worth noting, actually, that Lloris... He's getting on. He's a great keeper, rated number one stop, uh, shot stopper in the league. And although he makes the occasional mistake, so I think he goes quite a lot under the radar. But he's getting on and not got long on his contract. And Spurs are going to be looking for a keeper. And given a year's time, we'll be shitting ourselves because we'll need a keeper. And a keeper is really important. So it's also that it's it, two big things for me is that it, it we're right on the quota of homegrown players. Like. We can't, there's no more foreign players we can bring in, which means Michelle Vorm leaves the club. He was on double the money Joe Hart was on, yeah. But also the fact that we've got two prospective English keepers coming up in Alfie Whiteman and I can't remember the other lad's name. But that now unlocks them and allows them to go out on loan again. I love it. Um, and very quickly, I, I really, I rated Vertonghen. I, to be honest, I was, I was all for... United trying to bring him in on a free. I was really for that. And obviously he's gone Benfica, but what are you guys' thoughts on that and uh, and the amicable split? Or Vertonghen's my favourite Spurs player, probably is... of all time. I've always loved him. I just think he's great. I think he went so under the radar for so long and he was probably one of the best centre-backs in the league, if not for a time the best. And I mean, they always, they always throw it around when everyone leaves, but he was like the consummate professional never put a foot wrong when he got subbed out or didn't get played no issues whatsoever came back in gave his all 
and then last season had the game of his life against Dortmund in the Champions League as a winger. I mean, unbelievable. But I, I wish I knew the best for him. I like Benfica a lot, so I think he'll fit in well there. But I'd love to see him back on the coaching staff at some point. I think yeah, that'd be great. I think sure. there's been too many rumours around that for it to have not not been something in it that he's going to come back and coach one day. Well, yeah, he's a good servant, isn't he? I mean, can't, you can't really ask you can't ask much more from a player than well, he gave he gave all he had. To. Like he in the, he's always in the comment sections of like every player's Instagrams, just like ripping the shit out of them, and I love that. <laughs> like. He's so, I think he's got a very like dry, sarcastic sense of humor because I think he's a very intelligent guy. And he stick a foot in as well, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I went, when, when United weren't going to get him, I was, I was be, I'll be honest, I was a little good. I really, there were some rumors flying around. I really would have been happy with one year, two year deal. Anyway, we're done with the Spurs. That's, that's Jimbo and, and Sean's rant about Spurs, what they want, what they think's coming up, and uh, the, the demise of Poch. So transfer talk. I haven't really seen anything transfer wise that's been. You mentioned Hoiberg to Spurs. I think that's a fairly that is a good that is a good sign. I think I think it's a really interesting signing in that Southampton think they've got an amazing deal with Carl Walker Peters, and we think we've got quite a good deal with Hoiberg. So I think the dynamic is going to be really interesting to see because they didn't like Hoiberg when he went, and we admittedly liked Carl Walker Peters, but thought he wasn't quite good enough at the moment to be with us so I'm really interested to see next season who got the better deal out of it really yeah no I think I think it's pretty amicable both both sides like wanted that player didn't they like you said Spurs, um, Spurs wanted OBA they wanted Power Walker Peters I mean, look at that we slipped right back into the Spurs chat again <laughs> <laughs> so um, William to Arsenal is a good I think a good move for both for all parties involved I think they needed a bit of backup there and they've got an experienced player and I've never I mean, Chelsea fans used to moan about him all the time, but I've never really seen him have a terrible game. He's always looked pretty good to me. We kind of touched on this last week a little bit. Like, I, I don't think it was a bad signing at all for them. What didn't sit quite right for me was the fact that the Arsenal have just laid off 55 members of staff. doesn't mean that they can't make any signings, but the fact that Willian's come on a free and is actually earning £220,000 a week, it's catch-22 in it because, like, Teams have to make signings and have to move in the transfer market when they can, but you can't be firing 55 people. Do you know what I mean? Like other players are kind of seen as it's much more of an acceptable thing to like get rid of a player to get another player, but you don't get rid of staff to get a player. Do you know what I mean? That's not that's not on. Is it? With um, Arsenal getting Willie in, it sort of signified the opening of London's second player retirement home after Spurs. <laughs> so you got Joe Hart going to Spurs. And then you got William going to Arsenal. So it'll be interesting to see the battle between those two retirement homes next season. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Jimbo was kind of quite happy to, to see uh, William leave because last week he was saying that every single time that they placed uh, Chelsea seems to bag for them. Well, he's going to bag for Arsenal now, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Arguably worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not been a lot of movement this week from what I've seen in the transfer market. It's just kind of still rumours and that, isn't it? I mean, it's still open for what another five, six weeks. So we'll see. I think there's a there's Southampton have picked up a fella from La Liga called Salisu from Valladolid. I know they were they were making you know those those, those who scored ratings that you never really understand because they, like you feel like they're watching a different game. But he had a really really good one the entirety of last season, so you could tell that's pretty decent. He's only twenty one. So Hassan Hill strikes again. Yeah, yeah. He he seems to be he seems to be able to get players in, which like. 
just turns around out of nowhere, doesn't he? I must admit, I think he's yeah. what do they call him? The uh Alpine clock, don't Alpine. <laughs> I saw uh Arsenal have uh, signed some youth youth guy, it's called Salah, I think. And that's not a joke, that sounds like a, a really bad joke. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this probably comes into the experience of us only doing two podcast episodes so far. But if I was a, a, a more professional podcaster, I would have done some research on this guy. <laughs> yeah, likely. Or his name prepared, or one of his names prepared. <laughs> He's got a mustache, so he must be pretty good. Must, must be. The, the only other one I can think of is uh, Jeff Hendricks signing for Newcastle, which is like one of the most boring transfers ever. But he's a good squad player, I'll take him. It's how depressing it is. I'm excited about this. Just before we came on air, you said that uh, Matty Longstaff has uh, signed, signed another con- a long-term contract for you lot as well. So you're, you're real buzzing about that, aren't you? Matty Longstaff, looks, he looks fine, but he did, something, he did something good once and suddenly he's like the fucking... Suddenly United were linked with him. I think, you know, how? Why have you seen him play? Like, he's all right. He's fine. He's not United quality. He's, he's good for us, no one else. I think it's time for the classic slogan, mate. And that's all we've got time for this week. I think that's all we got time for, right? So thanks for listening and thanks to the 20 people that listened to the first episode. <laughs> Shout out to Alex and Sean. Thanks for coming and wasting your time on a Saturday <laughs> with us. And uh, yeah, you know. Mate, I'm a Spurs fan. I waste every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll catch you next week. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye.